I'm Dr. Terry Fisher, a physician and voice technology futurist. Voiceverse technology is rapidly becoming the operating system of our lives, and it will completely revolutionize the way we experience healthcare. Let's talk voice. Hey there, and welcome to Voice First Health, episode 49, almost at 50 episodes, amazing. Today, it's a really cool podcast episode for you, and this is a discussion, a three-way discussion that I have with uh, Drs. Matt Sobolski and Dr. Reed McClellan, who were both uh, at the Voice of Healthcare Summit with me in Boston in the summer. And this podcast episode is one where we interviewed each other. And it was really a sort of a fireside chat amongst the three of us because uh, Reed and Matt host another podcast called the Voice of Healthcare podcast. And it's really been a lot of fun to chat with them and follow along with what they're doing with their podcast. And the three of us wanted to get together and have a little chat really to highlight all of the incredible things that are going on at the intersection of voice technology and healthcare. And in particular, all of the great stuff that we heard about when we were at the Voice of Healthcare Summit. So just a quick little bit about each one of them. Matt Sobolski is the founder and chief consultant of Ionia Healthcare Consulting. And he offers organizations with support addressing strategic, operational, innovative projects. And his expertise really focuses on the technology and healthcare delivery. He is a really bright guy. If you've ever spoken with Matt, you know what I'm talking about. And so he really is an expert when it comes to voice technology and healthcare delivery. Now, the other person on the podcast with us today is Dr. Reed McClellan. He is a physician. In fact, he is a adjunct professor at Harvard Medical School and Boston Children's Hospital, and he is an instructor of surgery at Harvard Medical School. As well, he is the founder and CEO of Asclepius, which is an artificial intelligence company with the mission to restore the care in healthcare and improve quality of life for patients and physicians. So we've got two great guests here on the podcast today. This is a really exciting discussion that we have, and I hope that you enjoy it. So here it is, without any further ado, Drs. Matt Sobolski and Reed McClellan. Hi, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Sobolski, joined by two very special guests that joined me in Boston recently for the second annual Voice of Healthcare Summit. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. All right. Well, I will start off here then. Um, so my name is Terry Fisher, and uh, it's great to be chatting with you, Matt, and and uh, and Reed as well. This is really exciting because um, I host a- another one of the um, healthcare and technology, specifically voice technology podcasts as well, uh, Voice First Health. And I'm really pleased to be able to be part of this podcast. And in fact, we're going to share this podcast episode on mine as well, so we can get this out to as many people as possible, and they can hear all about the great things that that we heard about in Boston recently this summer. Terry, it's great to have you with us on the uh, Voice of Healthcare uh, today. I'm Reed McClellan, one of uh, Matt Zabolsky's co-hosts. I also am an instructor of surgery at Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School and the founder of Asclepius, an artificial intelligence company focused in the healthcare sector. Excellent, gentlemen. Uh, and for the audience, uh, I am the founder of a consulting firm called Ionia Healthcare Consulting. And all three of us have been deeply involved in the voice first movement as well as AI for Reed. And we wanted to spend some time today talking about what we saw in Boston on August 5th and 6th with a burgeoning and growing cast of 
companies and executives and technologists and clinicians who are building applicable tools, talking about ethics and privacy, um, really sort of out front on the circle of expanding tech for voice first. Um, and we were really fortunate to be a part of all of these great conversations and camaraderie in Boston. I want to start off with a couple questions uh, for both of you here. Um, mostly, what was something that was a notable takeaway from this year's Voice of Healthcare Summit that you think uh, the audience who couldn't attend ought to have heard and why was that important to you? Well, uh, Matt, I'd say, you know, having had the opportunity to attend the Voice of Healthcare Summit a year ago, so back in 2018 for the first one, one of the really obvious things to me was just simply the number of people that are now doing incredible things in the voice space and healthcare. Last year, as you know, Matt, it was a one-day conference. And this year, the fact that it doubled in one year is really evident that a lot of interest is not only there, but is increasing. And the breadth of different speakers who are representing so many different organizations uh, and and the number of, of different topics, everything from, like you said, you know, privacy, security, to how do you use audio and music to affect somebody's healthcare outcomes. There were some really, really fascinating different uh, topics. And that's the biggest thing that I see is, is just the, the growing interest and the, uh, and the number of different areas, even within voice and healthcare that we're beginning to see. You know, Terry, I agree completely with that. Uh, I also found it very interesting that, you know, Peter Durlach, the Senior Vice President for Strategy and New Business Development at Nuance, which is arguably the largest um, voice application company in, in the world, actually said himself, we're still at the very early phases of how voice is really going to affect healthcare. And to see, like you said, Terry, the amount of interest that has come over just the past year, I think we're going to really see a, a skyrocket in not only interest, but uh, wonderful applications that are going to assist both the physician and the patients in healthcare in the very near future. Uh, yes, wonderful, exciting. Uh, I too was pretty amazed at the increase in attendance and attention that uh, the conference has, has gathered. Uh, it's been probably followed um, just as rapidly as the adoption of this technology, which for those listening is the fastest adoption in history of the United States for any technology. Um, I think we want to shift for a second here um, towards some tangible examples. So, um, you know, Terry, you've been involved uh, with your podcast uh, pretty deeply like we have. Um, what about uh, this conference on the two day made some, some sense to you as far as sharing, um, especially on day two, when you did some tangible work with, um, those in attendance on some laboratory and, and uh, tangible builds for voice? When I think about that, I mean, it's quite a broad question. And, and you know, everything from, um, you know, the integration of voice technology into EMRs. We're seeing some excellent research, uh, particularly out of Vanderbilt uh, with Yakuma Crystal and her team. I mean, it was fascinating to hear what they're doing. Um, I'm f fascinated also with the idea of, vocal biomarkers, the idea that we can start to use our voice as signals for what is going on inside our bodies. 
Um, that that is an area that I like. I say I find completely fascinating. I actually wonder if we're going to be heading towards a time when our voices are going to become one of the vital signs that we use. Um, you know, just hearing different uh, um, applications from the Mayo Clinic, whether it be starting with Alexa skills and growing those out to uh, not only informational type skills, but starting to look into the the future of how they can in, how they can integrate patient care with the voice technology. There are, there are so many different areas. Um, and one of the things, one of the recurring themes that I heard uh, in the past, and you guys may have heard this as well, and I'd be curious to get your opinions on this, is that it was said that 2019 was going to be the year of the pilot projects as far as voice technology and healthcare goes. And, um, you know, I, th- I think we've certainly seen that. I'm wondering, what do you guys feel about 2020? Is, are we still in this area of pilot projects or are we beyond that now getting to the point where we're actually going to see some of these applications come to fruition and actually impact healthcare? You know, um, that's a great question, Terry. And I want Reed to follow with me from a clinical perspective. Um, but, you know, uh, my thought is, and I've said this regularly, and, you know, even yesterday on campus at, you know, Vanderbilt, we had this conversation, which was, you know, this is early stage. And as much as we want to get to this place beyond pilot and have tangible sort of uninterrupted flow with patients and these uh, voice first tools that um, I still think we're going to be in a pilot phase. Uh, But unfortunately for the hospitals and organizations and clinicians that have their own pilot projects that they want to grow, I think time's of the essence because some of the larger firms that have a little bit more capital and a little bit more room to, to build are going to um, start to probably introduce voice tools and, and interact, uh, interactive uh, features um, that may be a little bit more advanced than the folks who have just started building themselves. But um, Reed, did you have a takeaway uh, on that particular question? Yeah, Matt, I, uh, I actually agree with you completely. And we need to take a step back and we have to remember that in healthcare, everything moves slower than any other technology sector uh, in the world because we are both highly regulated, but also we're dealing with people's lives and there's so many facets to that from just accuracy to, as uh, was mentioned at the Voice of Healthcare many times, um, privacy. I agree that this certainly was a year of pilot studies and and some use cases and i have really enjoyed seeing those but i believe that 2020 and probably even 2021 we will continue to see an uptick in the amount of use cases but it's also going to have to be a a cultural shift you know with the the electronic health record system really still is not that old for physicians and uh, clinicians in the in the hospitals. And that was a major cultural change for each of us. And so in the same regard, there's going to be some really cultural shifts that go into existence if we're going to get a really broad uh, takeaway of voice in the clinics and also in the hospitals. But for the individual physician or technologist who's interested in creating their own applications, I think that that is much easier to do. And we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. So Terry, that was a really good question, but I'm curious your takeaway from 
from that particular idea of 2019 being the year of the pilot, what's happening next year? Yeah. So I, again, I agree with both of you guys as well. Uh, I think it has been the year of the pilot. One of the big barriers, I think, to really launching these things um, at scale has, of course, been the protection of the privacy. And as we all know, um, those of us that are in the space, Alexa, at least, uh, Amazon had announced earlier this year that um, they were doing a lot of work on HIPAA compliance and they had given, uh, they'd granted that or they had made Alexa HIPAA compliant, at least to a select number of organizations initially. What I, you know, currently we can use voice technology very easily as an educational tool for patients because you, of course, you don't need any type of protection in terms of personal health information when you're just giving information out towards the patient or towards the, 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 the user. But if we're going to start to really see true healthcare applications where you're collecting personal healthcare information and being able to interact with the patient on a more personal level, then the HIPAA compliance was a big barrier. Now, with that having been announced, I think this opened the doors, not to everybody yet, but it shows that the progression is there that I think over the next year or so, we're going to start to see some of these healthcare applications truly come online. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a big piece of news and I'm excited to see where that takes us in the next year. Terry, I, I want to go back to what you just said. I, I agree completely. Um, with Amazon, the one, if not the largest corporation in the world, uh, and Alexa really taking Firestorm and all the homes across the country and actually across the world, and yet even they, who now you're right, they do have Alexa is uh, HIPAA compliant. They have uh, BAA certifications for certain institutions, but I believe right now that number is still only six institutions across the United States that can uh, use Alexa with uh, HIPAA compliance in place. And I actually appreciate Amazon for doing that and going, rolling out slowly to make sure that we do understand what all goes into privacy and uh, when we're speaking to someone and it's being recorded constantly. Uh, that's a great part that I, I'm actually surprised that Amazon didn't try to roll out a lot faster, but they're really taking this very seriously. You're absolutely right, though, that there are different facets of uh, being able to use voice technology. And the Mayo Clinic has done an excellent job, and they actually spoke about this a little bit at the Voice of Health uh, Summit, when they discussed how they give a lot of information to patients, just general information to patients via um, voice applications. And that's all pushing data out that has nothing to do with privacy or what we call HIPAA compliance. And that can be done across the board. What I find really interesting is uh, Dr. Yakuma Crystal, we, we just mentioned at Vanderbilt is actually using voice technologies through her Viva application to actually interact with electronic health records. Uh, her, the records they use are uh, Epic, and she actually can pull data using her voice, but it's all protected because it's behind the firewall of both Nuance and Epic. So I'm hoping to see some additional applications like that come out in the future as well. Right. Um, thanks for both of you to answering that question. I, I um, wanted to follow with um, a question about a concept that was talked about a lot, a lot of the summit, which was not just voice first, but also this concept of conversational AI. Now, for all of us speaking here, 
we might have a greater understanding of what is termed by conversational AI. Uh, Peter Durlock from Nuance mentioned it in his talk, Conversational AI in Healthcare, The Next Frontier, but there were several speakers that also mentioned it. I think also, um, if I'm not mistaking, uh, maybe Freddie Feldman from Walters Kluwer mentioned that, Michael Anteron from Carrot Pass, um, and then maybe even uh, Dan from Ogilvy Health, who's the chief experience officer there, I kept mentioning this concept. I know also uh, at Orbita, they talk about conversational AI. So for both of you in the clinical realm of voice first, what is conversational AI, if you care to share, and why does it really matter as far as a conception uh, for the transformation of uh, these tools and interfaces for clinical medicine? Well, uh, I, I can answer that. And I can say that, you know, when I think of the word conversation, uh, although we're typically speaking about it in the terms of voice, there's other ways that you can converse with someone. And whether it's through your mobile phone and texting or chatbots, there are lots of other ways that you can obtain information and interact with an AI type bot. And so you mentioned uh, Michael Antaran, for example, with um, Carrot, which is a really, really interesting application, by the way. Uh, and you know, he is looking at how do you motivate somebody through an app to be more active. Now, is that a conversation when you look and you see something and the, the AI behind the application is actually monitoring your activity, your steps, and gives you feedback and gives you new goals. And obviously, there's AI built into that to make it personalized. And I think that the conversational AI, whether it is, like I said, through a voice application, through, uh, through a chatbot and others, uh, that, that's what it means to me. And I think that, you know, when we, you know, when you, when you first ask the question, we hear about voice first, something that came to my mind is also, we're also in a world that it's not necessarily only voice first, but it's voice and, because you can also have screens where you can read information or see images if that's part of what is relevant. And there can be AI driving that interaction, whatever that is. You know, let's also take a one step back and discuss AI, artificial intelligence, just in, in general. First off, artificial intelligence is not intelligent at all until the creator uh, makes it that way. That's why a lot of AI originally was formed based off of image pattern recognitions because it was easy to give the computer a bunch of data, all the same images, and then a few that were different for it to learn. Now, with the advent of uh, IBM's MedSpeak that um, pretty much all radiologists use. It's moved on to Dragon Dictation that then I believe Nuance purchased from that. That's something different. That's called natural language processing. And that's where we really understand conversation and, and words. But what's interesting with conversational AI is that each physician speaks a little differently, even if you're trained at the exact same institution. And so our AI is getting so good that it can truly pick up the differences in what I'm saying compared to what one of my mentors is saying. Even though we're saying something very similar, it will pick it up that it is, we are saying the exact same thing. Um, but once again, I mentioned this earlier, I'll say it again. There will be a cultural change for physicians to really adopt conversational AI because we will have to prompt the AI a little bit. We'll have to we'll have to stay certain 
keywords to keep it on track. It will not be able to, I don't believe, it'll ever be able to just listen to us talk directly outright and listen to the patient talk directly outright and understand exactly what is being said. But we are so much farther along today than we were even five years ago. Yeah, that, that, that's great. I, I, uh, I totally agree with that and I appreciate that, that input. Um, I have a question for you guys as well. And I'm curious, you know, was there, was there any particular speaker at the recent conference that really stood out to you or opened your eyes to maybe an aspect of voice technology that you hadn't considered before? Uh, I know there was uh, certainly for me, and I can get to that afterwards, but I'd love to hear just, you know, maybe there's something that really sparked your interest or your imagination. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, I mean, there's a couple that really sort of had me edge of my seat. And one of those um, speakers is Nate Lore of Orbital. I think all three of us would agree he is, um, you know, sort of a heavyweight boxer when it comes to this world. Um, and his company Orbita, but I mean, what stood out to me was that they've got, you know, tools that are tangible and being used out in the market. Um, and that's just kind of amazing uh, what they've been able to do with their builds. Uh, and some of the stories he tells are just somewhat uh, eye-opening about the capabilities here. And then, uh, you know, not to mention LifePod uh, with Stu Patterson uh, and what they're able to do in uh, home health, um, keeping families informed with loved ones who are ill, giving people at home who are either, um, you know, have some chronic conditions or are or, or elderly, a sense of connection to the outside world beyond their doors. Um, and additionally, um, Suki, uh, this concept of being able to utilize voice while you're hands on with a patient and not being distra distracted by the screen and the keyboard, all three of those groups to me sort of start to create this uh, chipino of, of ideas and possibilities in the voice first and AI world. And, and they're out there sort of pounding the pavement with it. Um, and those are three to me that if I could have opened up that auditorium to the entire United States and, and Canada, Terry, uh, um, and said, hey, take a look at this. Uh, those would have been three that kind of stood out to me. Granted, we also had some conversations, I know, from Bianca Phillips about, you know, the ethics and law of this. Um, and, you know, I think one of us mentioned earlier uh, the effect this has on practitioners and the difference between um, using voice first as an interface for commands from a computer versus just audio recording. Uh, but those are the ones that stood out to me um, over the last couple of days while we were there uh, in Boston at Harvard Medical. You know, a few others that I really found uh, to be interesting and in, in making their own way. First is, we kind of talked about him, but Michael from Carrot Pass. This, this guy has created uh, an entire gamification world out there for mainly kids and what was really interesting is his wife came to him a few years back and said you're part of the reason that there there's so much obesity in in childhood and adolescence i want you to change all that so he completely changed and created a gamification method for wellness and for how many steps to get in and and creating uh, challenges with that and 
that in and of itself is not voice technology. But what I really appreciated from his talk was how he can integrate voice, both chatbots and conversational AI into his games and uh, getting people to work out more and, and to look at their wellness. So that was really interesting uh, because I think we're going to see that with a lot of other uh, applications that we don't necessarily think of in the healthcare field, but they will come in and be part of the healthcare. The other one that I really uh, enjoyed listening to was Henry O'Connell of Canary and just listening to their overall story of where they first started and how far along they are with machine learning. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing some more of their use cases in, in the near future. Yeah, that, it's funny. I, I think I opened a can of worms here with that question because, you know, as I, as I, as I have the, uh, the agenda here of the conference open in front of me, I'm looking at this and there's, there's something I could comment on about literally every single person that spoke there because each person is doing such an interesting thing. You know, some other things that kind of came to mind for me was um, – Audrey Arbini from Audio Brain and how she incorporates music and the ideas behind, as a musician myself, as music and the ideas of music therapy and how listening to audio can actually alter a person's physical being. And then she also gave a little demo at the end um, from a company, Vocal ID, uh, Rupa Patel, who, who can create synthetic voices. And essentially, they have created the, the platform that allows somebody to preserve their voice if, for example, they know that they are going to have to have their larynx removed. And so not everybody is forced to have that same voice that, for example, we all are very familiar with that Stephen Hawking had when he was living and had the, uh, had the synthesized voice. Why should, the example was given, why should a young girl, for example, be forced to have a voice of a man when now you, you don't need to do that anymore? You, there's, there's amazing applications for this where you can have a synthetic voice and you can have a 12-year-old girl's voice speak even though she doesn't have that, that uh, capability. So, I, I, like I said, there are so many great uh, applications, so many great things going on. And, um, boy, I just hope people will come out to the next year's, next year's event. <laughs> Absolutely, Tara. I, I, I think that next year we'll see a true, truly sold-out crowd early on in the registration. But, you know, we, we're talking about voice, and we're doing this a lot on the – physician and clinical side, but voice is, is really sound. And Terry, you kind of mentioned this earlier that you believe in the near future voice and how we speak and, and the sounds that we admit will actually potentially be a vital sign. Can either of you speak on uh, what you have heard of as far as research is going on with just sound and measuring different outputs for the for patients and how we can uh, actually use potentially voice as a vital sign or some type of lab measurement. I'd be happy to. Um, so as, as you may know, so there is a study that was done. Uh, one particular study that comes to mind is a study that was done uh, in, in um, collaboration between Mayo Clinic and a company in Israel, Beyond Verbal. And they were looking at patients that were going in for a coronary angiogram and they had these people uh, read some various statements, and then they looked at the outcomes of the coronary angiograms, and they found a statistically significant correlation between the way someone speaks and their risk of coronary artery disease. And then there was a further study that was done that looked at people with congestive heart failure, and they followed them over time, had them uh, read, uh, or had them describe an experience, 
and then followed them over time and looked at the records, the, the mortality records, and they found a statistically significant correlation between the way someone spoke and the risk of death. And that's in a population of CHF patients. So um, those are two, just two examples. And of course, things have expanded from there now because people are wondering, well, how far can we take this? So there's, there's now research looking into um, you know, various types of pulmonary uh, lung diseases and looking for correlations there. So I, the thing that is really intriguing to me is that currently we need to um, be in the presence of a patient to collect a vital sign, whether it's a blood pressure or, or the patient has to have a device to collect that, that vital sign. So they have to have their own blood pressure cuff or we need to have a thermometer to check their temperature uh, and so on. And what's very intriguing to me is that when you're using voice as potentially a vital sign, you don't have to be in the same room as the patient. They don't have to necessarily have a device other than a microphone somewhere in their vicinity. And that data or that can be, or that information that is being captured can be analyzed in real time. And then of course, what you do with it is up for discussion, but maybe you alert a physician or you alert the person or you alert uh, a family member. That's what seems very, very exciting to me. So I, I, you know, I wonder, will this become a vital sign? But not only that, will it become the least invasive and most readily available vital sign that we have? So Terry, the, those are excellent examples. Um, you know, I'll follow that we've had the ability, I've seen some research uh, that's come out that talks about uh, the sound of the voice uh, diagnosing uh, depression scale by the pace of that voice and also assigning uh, various psychotropics to various to, to patients based on the sound of their voice and their genome that you can now sequence and use for uh, uh, dosing particular medications. Um, so those things are pretty wild. I mean, for the longest time, um, we've had a great indication that the tones of our voice, the the phonemes and morphemes and how we put them together communicate uh, incredible kinds of emotion from one human to another. So it only makes sense that developing things with tone uh, and then listening to that sound of the voice of the human uh, becomes a marker for well-being, mental well-being. Um, <clears throat> and we're probably going to start learning more and more and more about that since there's just this incomprehensible amount of data being aggregated for the ways people speak, the word choices they use, the pace of that, the tone of it, even the sensitivity of these microphones being able to pick up respiration rates across you know, a room uh, has important implications for how this can be used in treating patients, uh, preventing disease, uh, diagnosing disease, et cetera. Great question. So um, Terry, did you have some other takeaways that you wanted to bring forth from the summit you think we should address? Um, I, I, to be quite honest, I think we've covered a, a, a huge amount here. The, the, the biggest takeaway for me is, is really what I started with in this conversation. And that's, um, I'm really excited. I am, I'm very um, optimistic about where we're going with voice technology. There are so many possibilities. I've, I've, I've done like brainstorming sessions in the past with clinicians of various specialties. And we think like, you know, what are your biggest issues? How, how could voice technology help you? And once you start thinking about it, you can really let your imagination run wild. And there are so many applications and we're just very, very early days. Um, and, and really I, 
what can I say? I'm just excited about the future for voice technology. And I think the, uh, the Voice of Healthcare Summit did a fantastic job of showcasing just a, you know, a little, a little piece of where we're going. But even still within that little piece, there was such great breadth of, of applications. Reed? VoiceBot AI uh, recently did a, I believe it was a top 11 most influential uh, voice individuals or, and or companies. And it was really great to see five of the top 11 were actually keynote speakers at this past Voice of Health Summit, including uh, Bradley Metrock, uh, who I call the uh, father of voice first technology uh, as far as getting everyone together to listen and to and to discuss so what I'm really excited about is next year's uh, voice of health summit because each year we're just uh, bringing on more and more uh, incredible speakers so I, I just can't wait to see what the lineup is next year um, I think we covered a great deal of the landscape of attendees uh, for the summit um, which represent um, a vast amount of people really moving and shaking in the voice first world. The other part of that that I'll share uh, that I think we missed a little bit of was Heidi Culbertson, who was the keynote for the Voice of Healthcare uh, Summit this year, talked about the promise of voice first technology and caring for aging populations. She's got a wonderful story uh, and a wonderful pro uh, product also. And she's super dynamic. She's been in tech a long time. Um, I find her to be uh, a mentor and a guide for me. Terry, you had a takeaway on um, Heidi's work as well, didn't you? Yeah, th thanks for thanks for bringing her up. Um, absolutely, she is certainly one of the leaders in in this field. And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you mentioned her name. Heidi was the keynote speaker, and you know, one of the areas. Uh, one of the segments of the population that is embracing voice technology at one of the most rapid rates is the aging population. And there's a big movement towards uh, people aging in place or being more independent in their homes. And with her product, uh, Marvi, named after her mom, it's, like you said, it's a great story. Uh, Heidi really is on the cutting edge of uh, some of the uh, some of the applications that we can use to to help our aging population, which as we all know is getting larger and larger, uh, to be more independent and to and to stay in their homes as long as possible. This has been episode twenty four of the Voice of Healthcare podcast. Joined today by Dr. Terry Fisher. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much, uh, Matt and Reed. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you guys. Thanks, Terry. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that episode with uh, Dr. Sabolsky and Dr. McClellan. That was a lot of fun. As you, I'm sure, heard, there is a lot of great innovation going on in the uh, space of voice technology and healthcare. And if you haven't had a chance to make it out to the Voice of Healthcare Summit, then put it on your calendar that when the date comes out for next year's event in Boston, Next summer, make sure you are there because you are. That's basically you got a little taste of what is going on in uh, in this sector in this podcast. Big thanks to uh, to Matt and to Reed again for uh, sit, spending some time to discuss uh, their opinions as well with me. And uh, it was a lot of fun for the three of us to produce this episode so it can go on both of the podcast episodes. Make sure you have a listen to their podcast, Voice of Healthcare, and make sure that you go to the show notes. Uh, for this podcast episode, you can find that at voicefirsthealth.com slash 49. And there I will have tons of links to the various things that we mentioned in this episode. 
And finally, I just want to mention that I've been giving this some thought for a while, and I have been approached by some people about uh, some interest in perhaps sponsoring this podcast, and I have decided that I'm happy to entertain those discussions. So if that's something that you or a company that you know of may be interested in getting involved in, please reach out to me. I'm happy to have those discussions, and we can um, share some information about that. Okay, Uh, have a great day. Thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week.